Hey there, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we have a two for one. We're going to be covering uh, some Angular lifecycle methods, uh, concepts, and things there. And then we're also going to get to hear about some upcoming NGRX features that are in the next release. So it should be pretty cool as usual. We're looking forward to it. So let's meet our panelists, and then we'll say hi to our guests, and then we'll get into the content. Joining us today, we have Austin McDaniel. Austin, what's going on? Hey, Austin. How Who are you calling, Austin? He's dialing in. <laughs> I was dialing in. From 1997. <laughs> How's it going, everyone? Awesome, awesome. Bonnie, what's going on, Bonnie? Hi, I'm I'm from uh, joining you from Amsterdam today, and I'm very excited. And I'm also excited because my friend Wes, and I've been looking forward to that. I've been talking to Wes on Twitter for a while. Oh, I did it again. Oh, my goodness, Justin. I don't even know how you let me get away. I'm really sorry. No, <laughs> I, I forget. I'm supposed to introduce you as the last panelist so that because I that was my bad. My bad. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I, I'm very excited about the mystery guest that you have on today because he's really <laughs> cool and I shall not say his name. I'm sorry, Justin. It's it's all good. It's all good. It's not, you know, you're so patient with me. For sure, for sure. No problem. Mike, what's going on, Mike? Uh, not too much. Just uh ready to chat about something. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say anything more than that. Just excited for a good chat today. About something with someone and some stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very generic. Let's use some pronouns. What are you guys talking about? I know. It's, it's just, I don't know. It's out of control. Our guest today, Wes Grimes. What's going on, Wes? Not much. It's good to be here. It's great to have you. Great to have you. We're stoked. Uh, why don't you tell our viewers a little bit about yourself so they can get familiar with you, what you got going on, and then we'll uh, dive into the content. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I am uh, just starting a new role, actually. I'll start out with that. I'm excited. I'm going to be a senior engineer at Narwhal, uh, start at the end of the month. And, uh, yeah, yeah, really excited about that, uh, to work with Jeff and Victor and everyone there. Um, I think it's a conspiracy. You tell them I said it's a conspiracy because every time I make friends with somebody on Twitter, Narwhal hires them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's happened too many times for it to be a coincidence. I think it's not a coincidence. Moral of the story is become friends with Bonnie and then you go places. So. <laughs> <laughs> they um, hire all the cool people. <laughs> so, so yeah, aside from that, uh, I, I write a lot. I love writing. Um, write for Angular in depth and um, ultimate courses. And I've done some. Some personal writing of my own um, as well, just on my blog. And uh, can you do some writing for me? I I need some documentation, some TDD. <laughs> sure. You know, Justin did some writing. I'll write about. I'm actually pretty stoked about Justin. Justin wrote like uh, sci-fi like stories. It's cool. Oh, that's cool. I thought so. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So aside from writing, you'll probably if you follow me on Twitter, you'll probably see pictures of like food. And cooking, my wife and I are really big into that. Um, and yes, uh, you always yeah. do this at dinner time. I don't know how <laughs> many times I've gone go through, going through, and I'm like, "You're killing me because it's mouth watering." Yeah, <laughs> uh, you really should stay. Either make enough for all of us, Wes, or I mean, come on, you're just torturing us. Your any money is always welcome to come down to Florida and hang out for barbecue. So definitely, don't say that too loud. Austin might show up. Yeah. <laughs> So I, somebody, I actually might show up personally if you keep posting those those pictures. Hey, yeah. Wes. Yeah. 
So if somebody wanted to follow you on Twitter, how could they find you on Twitter? Yeah, uh, it's just at Wes Grimes, W-E-S-G-R-I-M-E-S. Um, so you can find me there. And um, I'm also on, uh, you know, Angular and Depth, Ultimate Courses, those sites. And my, my personal website is WesleyGrimes.com. So somebody had taken uh, Wes Grimes. Apparently there's another another one of me out there. So <laughs> What's your Xbox gamer tag in case we want to play Fortnite with you? <laughs> Oh God, I have, I think it's Agent Grimes. <laughs> so it's been a while. Um, yeah, so that's how you can find me online. I'm normally tweeting about, like I said, cooking, uh, maybe some pictures of sunsets and uh, angular tidbits. So that's normally what I'm doing. Awesome, awesome. Hey, before we get into the content, uh, you organized or you were part of, I forget, you can remind me, uh, the, like a writing uh, summit at ng-comp, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I did do that. I, I want to hear a little more about that real quick before we get started. Yeah, um, I've noticed, uh, and you guys probably have too, like technical writing, blogging has really kind of taken off. Like, again, it's, you know, 10, 10 years ago, it kind of came around. Uh, it feels like it's coming back again. It's so easy to get into it. And I've noticed a lot of uh, people doing it. And so I kind of wanted to get a community around that. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of these kind of fragmented, you know, if you're an Angular writer, you go here. If you're a React writer, you go to this area. I kind of want to pull all together. Um, and, you know, if you need somebody just to peer review your article or just a second pair of eyes, so that kind of thing, and and try to come up with some standard ways of doing things. Um, so at ng-conf this year, uh, the organizers were gracious enough to give me a room um, to actually host like a conference within a conference. And uh, we had... I want to say six people come and speak, um, and it was a really cool, uh, you know, dynamic set of, of speakers talking on all different kinds of topics, and you know, anything from like technical writing for non-native English speakers to um, how to publish your own blog with the Jamstack, um, uh, and I'm, I'm, my, it's slipping my mind. Um, you know, kind of grammatical uh, ways to format your your grammar using like Grammarly and things like that. So um, I think it was a success. We actually had uh, quite a big turnout. I mean, not everybody is into writing and, you know, more people are into, you know, wanting to come to the coding type sessions, but there was quite a few people there. Um, and uh, I'm planning, I, I th I'm really thinking about turning it into its own one day uh, conference eventually, um, you know, being open to anybody, not just Angular. I mean, we're on Angular air today, but I mean, any kind of technical writing, you know, folks can come out and, and, get, and be a part of that. So. That's really cool. I wonder about doing like a, a virtual conference uh, to start with, right? Where you do like just a virtual day and have virtual sessions or something that everybody can kind of hop onto. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. It's a lot, a lot easier for people to join from all over the world and a lot right. more cost effective and all that. So definitely. Yeah, because I, I wasn't at NGConf, so I was bummed, but I would totally have attended that uh, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, so... Um, you know, talking on that whole writing thing, uh, you recently wrote a blog post, more than one blog post about lifecycle management stuff in English? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because I remember reading the NG on Destroy one and checking that out, and that's kind of what, what the initial prompt of getting this episode going, right? Uh, so maybe we could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, basically, that, that started with uh, something, you know, like most things do when you're writing, at least I do, is, is a problem you encounter at work, right? And, you know, you had to solve that issue. And so um, 
I was expecting on destroy to perform in a way that it wasn't actually doing. And so, you know, in that I said, man, I really should, you know, dive in and understand how these things work, you know, really understand what's going on. And so in doing that, I wrote a tweet, uh, what I call like a hot tip tweet, kind of like a mini blog post in a way just to gauge interest and um, got a lot of interest, a lot of retweets and likes on that. And so I decided to turn it into an article. And, uh, and then from there, uh, you know, I, I talked to the guys, at, uh, guys and gals at, um, at Ultimate Courses and decided that um, we wanted to turn it into a series. And so I'm two articles into that. We've got On Destroy and On A Knit. Um, Going to be working on On Changes next, I think. So, and I'll just work through them. And I try, you know, the, the, the way I do my articles, I try to keep them very real world, you know, like, how does this apply to you in your day-to-day -day life? Not the abstract type stuff. And so you'll find, I, I try to put real world examples in there and, and flow that way. And so, um, you know, at the end of the episode today, I mean, honestly, I'll point to those as, as good references to what we're going to just kind of touch on today. Nice. Nice. When we talk about the life cycle events, maybe we can kind of give a quick, quick overview for people who might not be aware of them or, or get some detail about what, what we're talking about with that. Yeah, yeah. Life cycle, they're basically, um, it's a way that Angular gives you to run certain code uh, at certain times in the life cycle of a component or a directive or a service um, so that you can hook in. I mean, React has, you know, the similar concept, all that's changing with the hooks thing, but, you know, the component did mount, you know, component will unmount, those types of things. I, I would consider those life cycle hooks as well. And, and so in the Angular world, you know, at, at runtime, um, kind of just a high level, you know, it looks for a method named ng on init, for example, on your component. And if it finds it, it executes it um, at the appropriate time in the cycle. And so that's really all we're talking about here. It's just those, those methods and, and when they're called and what are some best use cases for those? You know, what are common reasons you would want to, you know, implement those, those hooks? So... Nice. So how, what is uh? So you talked about that. Um, what? How is that? How did that not, not work? How you were expecting then? So in my naive mind, I was expecting on destroyed to be called when I closed the tab on the browser. And so, in it, you would think it would, but in reality, it doesn't get called. <laughs> and so, you know, if. If, for instance, you want to prevent somebody from closing a page if they have unsaved data on a form, um, it's not necessarily going to be always called that way. Um, and so that was an interesting thing for me. Um, you know, also you might have some kind of a, you know, server side method that you need to call from your component to clean up something or to log out or, you know, automatically or different things like that. And so if you want those to happen, like on a page refresh, for example, um, it, it doesn't happen. I mean, it doesn't necessarily call the on destroyed during that time. And maybe that's not the way that, you know, Angular intended for that method to be used, but just, you know, Joe Schmo coming in, looking at it, you know, okay, this gets called when it's destroyed, you know, so why can't I do it there? And so that's what started my kind of journey into it. Very cool. Very cool. So you want to, Kind of talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Some... Uh, and before, sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt, Justin. Um, before you go on, like, can you tell us the tidbit of how you actually do that? <laughs> you want me to give away my my spoil my? Uh... <laughs> oh, that's later. 
Wait, are you just saying that? No, no, I, I'm gonna actually, I'll, I'll actually, I'll give you, I'll give you, go ahead and give it away. That's fine. And then I can show you in detail. For, for everyone that I tell, so I gotta tell the people watching because they missed it on the pre-show. We warned Wes that Austin was gonna give him a hard time. And we told Wes that if Austin says that, you just say, don't worry, that'll come later. Yeah, okay, and don't worry. Now we don't know if, if Wes is really gonna cover this or not. <laughs> we shouldn't have given you, that was bad advice, Wes. <laughs> No, I can't I'm, handle the suspense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm cool. We can we can talk about it. Uh, so basically, you know, and and there may be those folks out there that would call this a hack, or maybe you shouldn't do this. But basically, you have this concept in Angular of a host listener decorator that you can put on top of methods. And so I just um, I popped one on top of my on destroy and listened to the window on before unload event and. So that really I, sounds like the beginning of a hip hop song. Yeah. I popped one into On Destroy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bonnie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before we go further, Bonnie, um, for those people who may not have used them before, do you want to give a quick. I, I thought uh, you were about to say for those people shush. who don't know what hip hop is. <laughs> no. For people who have not used Host Listener. Yeah. Um, that basically it's, you know, just like you have, um, other decorators in angular TypeScript where you can do an at, um, an at input or an at output or different things like that. Um, or, you know, the at component that lives on top of the class, you know, in angular on top of individual methods in your class, you can put a host listener. And what you do is, uh, you give it the Dom event you want to, to listen on and when that dom event fires it calls your method and then you can also tie in and pat if that uh, dom event has um, event args maybe if it's like on a, on a keyboard or a key down event or something you can pass those event args in and um, you know make use of them so so that's what host listener is Gotcha. So, um, yeah, the way, and as a great explanation, the uh, only thing I like to think of it is you can subscribe to different events or handle different events in your component by using the parentheses or yeah, parentheses around a method or an event name and call it. But if you want to be able to bind to an event that may not be firing from within your component is how you use the host listener. So some yeah. other cool Windy. tips here. <laughs> what? You can actually do like key down dot enter, right? So, yeah. um, but a quick like reminder on that is don't do every key because it's actually creating an event listener for each one. So we would rather do event delegation there so that uh, we're not gonna be hooking up all those binds. Yeah. Why are you sure. laughing, Brock? Premature optimizations, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Event event listeners and destroyers are very expensive. I know. Yeah. So you have yeah, mean if you have a lot of different keys you want to listen to, maybe um, have one may one global one that listens to all, and then filter the events coming within there. I, I feel like Brocky's like his components probably have like every key, like A B C D E F. All right, now we're getting out of control. <laughs> yeah, this is where RxJS will save our, our butts, with, you know, in that scenario for sure. So Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so host listeners can be powerful. Um, 
but like you say, if misused, they can be a source of memory leaks and weirdness. So you have to be careful with them. But um, yeah, so uh, you want me to dive in uh, further, Justin, into I got some slides I can show with the uh, with the viewers and the panelists, just so everybody can get an idea of what those um, all the, the different life cycle hooks that exist out there. Uh, yeah, sure. that sounds great. So I'm going to go ahead and share my uh, screen. Let me know if you get it. Yep. Uh, yep. Looks good. All right. So we covered about me already in my beautiful face. So we'll move on. Um, oh, I failed to mention I'm also on the uh, NGRX core team now. Uh, me and uh, Alex uh, Shruko, I think I said that correctly, Alex, I'm sorry if I didn't, <laughs> um, have joined uh, to help out um, all the other uh, folks on the team. So that has been keeping us busy in our free time. Um, so uh, jumping back into lifecycle hooks, here, here's actually the full list. And you guys can see that okay? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. So, and these are actually, I, I pulled this right from Angular's docs. I like to always refer people when I'm teaching things, always go to the docs first. They're really, really good. And the new version eight docs are even better. Um, they, they've got a fantastic example app in there and uh, it kind of really walks through the real, real world uh, use cases and such. But with lifecycle hooks, um, you know, pull this from there. And these are really the order in which Angular would call them in the life cycle of a component per se. And so, you know, the first kind of thing that jumps out to people that might be, you know, make them take pause is why is on changes called before on a knit? You would think on a knit would be the very first thing. And really kind of the short answer is it, that is called when any input, uh, any input properties that you have are set. Or reset, um, and so those get those get first called, or sorry, on changes is called right right at the beginning when the if you have inputs um, to be there, and then it calls on a net um, to move on, and and that it, it, that's that's an important distinction to make too when we kind of dig in a little further as to why why it's uh, safe to use inputs in on a net right because they're they're available um, because on changes has run. Um, before on and it. Um, then, you know, and I'm not really going to go into these other, uh, you know, three through seven today. Um, I'll dig into those as I go through my article series is, that I'm writing. But um, but know that those are there and um, the documentation on Angular site's great. Um, and then the last one is the on destroy, which we'll, we'll talk about today as well. And we've talked about a little bit. That's um, called right at the very end um, of the cycle. So... And again, I, I, I talked about this earlier, but what is a lifecycle hook? I kind of just say it's a method that's called by the Angular runtime during a certain point in the lifecycle of your application, right? And how, how do you implement one? Well, it's, there's, there's really um, kind of two things. One of them is optional. Um, Really, it's a matter of on your on your component, um, and I say component. These can be used in other uh, places as well. Um, you create a method that has a specific name, right? And so on init, on destroy, all those. 
that's the um, that's the hook, but the method name is prefixed with a lowercase ng, right? And so you would just create a method called ng on a net, and then inside that method, you know, your logic um, could be implemented. Um, there is an optional choice that um, on a class, uh, for, if, if you're on a component, for example, where you can do, um, you know, let's say it's my component, you know, is the name of your class. You can put the word implements after it um, and actually implement the specific, um, you know, on a NID, on destroy, uh, those types of contracts. And the, the benefit to doing that is you get type safety. Um, so, you know, some people don't do it. I like to do it just uh, just for completeness and type safety. So that, it, you know, if if I put implements on a knit and I don't have an on a knit method, ng on a knit method on my component, then it's going to tell me that I don't, I haven't implemented it properly, right? So. Yeah, I really like the use of the interface for the, kind of two key reasons, right? Is that naming of it. So you make sure that by implementing an interface, you make sure that you have the correct naming of ng on a knit. I think it's real easy to like just name it on a knit and think you've got the lifecycle, right? Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is for ones like on changes that the payload that it receives, the, the parameters that it receives, we can get typing and understand what that is receiving, right? Exactly. Cool. That is exactly right. So, um, so we'll we'll you know we'll dive into to on a knit first um, and, unless anyone has any questions before before I do that. So that's a knit. All right. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so what are some common cases? Um, you know, uh, the first one is really kind of assigning your observables. Um, some people argue, no, I just do that. You know, when I declare my property, for example, and I'll hop over to some code in a minute to show you. Um, for me, I, I do it, I do it in the on a knit because it's, it's a standard place. You know, I normally, I mean, I work with a team of guys and girls that, that, um, that basically we all go to the same place to know where these observables are assigned. It's also, um, in some cases you might want to be using input, um, properties, um, you know, that are coming into your child component for say. And if you, if you don't do them in the on a knit, they may not be available yet. And so, so that's where I like to do my assignments. And so when I say assignments, I mean, for example, let's say you have a service call that goes and gets some data from an HTTP, right? Um, you would just assign your, you know, my data, you know, dollar sign, you know, equals, and then that service call that would happen in the on and then. Like I said earlier, uh, a second ago, it's also a good place um, to work with input properties. If you need to do something with inputs coming in, um, that you're you're assured that if they're going to be there, that, that that they'll be there, right? So if you've passed down an input property, they will be available in the um, ng on and then. Can I add something to that really quick too? Sure. Um, Another thing that I really like about that is that it allows your construct allows you to instantiate classes like in a test, right? In a test case, you can instantiate that um, component class and not have to worry about that other logic running because it's not in the constructor, right? So now you have more control as your unit testing with when you want and expect things to happen, right? That's right. That's right. And there's there's actually, I mean, that's a good point you brought that up because a lot of people get confused 
um, about when to use constructor versus um, on init. And there's there's a lot of great articles. I mean, there's there's a good one on ultimate courses. Max um, at Angular in Depth has written a great one. Um, but basically, you know, kind of the consensus that I'm seeing is you want to use the constructor for dependency injection only. And then ng on init is when you actually want to put your initialization logic at. Um, and like you said, Justin, it, it does help with, uh, with testing and that kind of thing. Um, another good use case for on init is if you want to access um, route parameters, um, that would be a good place to, to do that. And, um, and then some other use cases, um, if we're setting up subscriptions that, you know, for whatever reason, and I'll dive into this in a minute, but if there's a reason that you have to manually subscribe to an observable, which, you know, disclaimer, we always say, you know, go out of your way to not do that. Use the pipe async, right? Um, but there's sometimes you just can't, you know, get around it. Then in that case, that would be where you would set up your uh, subscriptions to manage a uh, manual subscription array or something that you can then unsubscribe from and on destroy. Um, you can decorate, or I say decorate, you can, you can put async in front of uh, really any of the lifecycle methods. So, you know, and this, this kind of doesn't become as, you know, powerful uh, of something nowadays because we're using observables so much. But when, you know, when Angular 2 kind of first came out, you know, promises were used more. And so this was a powerful way to just, you could decorate your on a knit method with async, and then you could do a wait and um, get your data back right there in kind of a, almost like a C-sharp world kind of way, um, just by decorating with a async. I'm not decorating, but putting async in front of the method name. Um, I always, um, as, a, as kind of a best practice, at least that I've learned, when you're dealing with reactive forms and you're building those, using the form builder to build those forms, um, I, I tend to do that in the on init, or at least I call, you know, I'll create a method called build form uh, that's in my class, but I'll call that from my on init method so that it really only happens when the component is first initialized. Um, and so I'll just hop over real quick and we'll look at, we'll, before we jump into on destroy, we'll look at some of the, uh, the things I was talking about, just so we have that. Can you guys see my VS code okay? Yep. Okay, so when I'm doing, when I'm teaching stuff, I like to keep it lighthearted. So there's this really fun API out there that's called the Chuck Norris database API. And it basically gives you back uh, random Chuck Norris jokes. And um, it, it's cores friendly, so you don't have to set up a backend to call it. So this little app basically has a service um, with one, one method on it that's called get, get jokes. And um, basically I'm saying give me back a random list of five jokes that are limited to the nerdy category. Um, so, you know, like Chuck Norris can dereference de null. That's one of them. <laughs> um, yeah, super nerdy. I, I hear all the laughs from you guys. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and so, so that's this service. That's what, you know, that's what it's doing. It's return observable of an array of jokes, right? And my joke is just 
it's it's just an ID and the text to the joke. So if we go back to my component, we were talking about on a knit, right? And so just how would I how would I implement on a knit on this component? Well, I would just go ahead and type, you know, the word implements right here. And then, you know, on a knit. And then I'll let VS Code auto import it for me by hitting enter. So as we were talking about earlier, you know, once you do that, you get that type safety. All of a sudden, my app component's underlined, and it's saying, hey, uh, you've incorrectly implemented the interface. And so you can actually come right here and say, um, if you hit the little light bulb, you can say implement interface. And it'll throw the code in there for you. I'm going to pull it below my constructor just because I like to have it below that. But and then in here, um, this is where we could do that initialization logic. And so I'm going to purposely write this with a memory leak. So I, I don't want Austin chiming in saying, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> but, um, but we'll tweak it in a second here. But let's say we, we call our, you know, our get jokes method, and then we do a dot subscribe, right? And then we get back our jokes, and we can set our local jokes array equal to the response from that, right? So we're doing some initialization logic here, so that when this this app boots up or you know bootstraps, um, it's going to make a call. It's going to call this ng on init lifecycle method for us, um, and set the jokes property equal to the response from from the, the service call. And then just so you can see, basically I've got uh, a parent and child component scenario where I've got a, a joke list with an input property of jokes. And, and then inside of that, I have um, kind of an ng4 to loop over those jokes that are passed down and um, render a joke item for each one that has an input. So it's kind of three levels going on there. Um, and if we run this real quick, I'm going to be brave and run code live while I'm demoing. <laughs> Can't promise it won't break. Or even not start. Come on, buddy. But they basically... Um, you know, so this would be the first pass. The second pass is let's actually um, look at this a different way and use maybe the async async pipe, um, and then just do our assignment of our observable here. So I'll show you the the transformation into that. Once this runs. All right. All right, so when it first booted up, we get our, our joke. Chuck Norris can spawn threads that complete before they're started. <laughs> no one has ever per, uh, pair program with Chuck Norris and lived to tell it. I feel like we could replace Chuck Norris's name with Austin's name, and it would fit just just fine. <laughs> I'm not very good at pair programming. We'll say that. <laughs> 
Um, I will say not very many people come on this show and actually give Austin a hard time specifically, and I'm really digging it. <laughs> yeah, I, just for the sake of doing that, you can come back uh, to do a different show about each uh, life cycle event. Okay, I'm down. <laughs> Are we still talking about Angular? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, so we got our jokes, right? And um, now let's take it a step further and let's, I mean, because this created, this created a memory leak, right? I mean, in theory it did. I think we're okay because it's an HTTP call and it's only going to send one observable. But if, for example, it was something that didn't complete, um, you would continue to get that. And every time the component initialized, you would have another subscription happening there, right? And so um, let's, before I turn this into using an observable, let's show capturing it. And, um, you know, just for sake of time, kind of pull in the ng on destroy here and show you a use case for that. Does that sound good? Sounds, Sounds great. All right. So, cause I could talk for a long time and I don't want to take people's, uh, I want to, I want to talk about NGRX too. So, um, I heard if you named, you named your component, Chuck Norris component, that NG on destroy can't destroy it. <laughs> did you just make that up? That was pretty good. Uh, I did. Yeah. I, I would, you would never find that joke in a Chuck Norris book. That was pretty good, Mike. I'll give you a dollar for that one. Is there an endpoint for Denver? Filtering by Angular specific Chuck Norris jokes? Because. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> I don't think so. There's a, there's a whole Angular ahead of time compiler that just rewrites your code to Chuck Norris style. Okay, so I'm going to just. Create a, a man. I'm going to show the manual way of managing the subscription and unsubscribing it, and then we'll kind of talk about some other ways. There's, it's a very popular topic, cleaning up memory leaks, and there's some really opinionated people out there on Twitter about, you know, my way is the only right way, and you know, so forth. I'll just leave it out there. You know, do what works best for your team, but just make sure you're in some way unsubscribing. Um, because if you don't, you're going to have some really funky behavior, uh, especially once you go live with it <laughs> and it's out in the real world and users are using it in unexpected ways. So, so here's the deal, right? We're subscribing on our ng on init, but we're not actually unsubscribing. And so to do that, we first need to capture that subscription. And so I'm just going to say sub dot or sub equals that. Sorry, this dot sub equals that, right? And so that captures my subscription. Now let's add her on destroy, same way we added her on init. And then um, we can click the little light, light bulb here, get that out of the way. And I'll pull my method down. Right. And then so this will get called at the end. And so basically, you know, I could just say this dot sub dot unsubscribe, right? But um, that might not always work for you. There may be scenarios where uh, this subscription only happens when a button's clicked or, or some other event happens. And so it's always good to first check if that's been initialized. So you can use the JavaScript truthy check, you know, if this dot sub. And then if you have one, 
do your unsubscribe, right? And so then the great thing here is on a net, we're grabbing our joke, you know, subscribing to our joke service and setting a local property. And then we're holding a reference to that subscription. And then in our on destroy, we're checking if that reference is set and then un unsubscribing. And so that cleans up the memory leak, right? I like um, the fact that in your destroy, you're not optimistic that sub is set, even though you're calling it within a knit, you're still doing that check. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, it's just good practice in my opinion. Um, because maybe down the road, another developer comes in and moves this somewhere else, you know, and then all of a sudden you're on destroy may throw a nasty error <laughs> because, it, you know, unsubscribe is not a method of undefined or something, right? You'd probably get. Um, yep. So, so then, you know, just taking it a little further, some other ways that, that folks are handling this is, um, look, you could have more than one subscription. So, and I'll, I'll shout out to Ben Lesh on this. I took his workshop, his RX workshop with Tracy at NGConf this year, and I learned something new. Um, because in the past, what I would do is I would just say, let's have, say I have multiple subscriptions. I would just create an array and I would call this subs like that. And then I would just say this.subs.add. Sorry, push. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Right. And then down here, I could say if this.subs and this.subs. Maybe I'm being a little bit too cautious here. Then I could do subs for each sub unsubscribe. And then it would loop through. And if I had more than one subscription going on here to, for whatever reason to different things, it would loop through and unsubscribe from each one of those automatically. Um, so that's another way to do it. Um, I've, I've seen, I've seen another, uh, way would be to create a replay subject that's called destroyed and then use a take until operator. And so let me show you that really quick and, and I'll show you kind of a, a caveat to using that method. You might run into some issues, but so basically let's just create a, a replay subject. I won't get into what replay subjects are. You can find plenty of articles that go into that subjects are awesome that's what they are yeah <laughs> i mean yeah you can use them um to do the whole service with a subject thing right i think so um so let's create a new sorry let's type it first replay subject we'll just say it's a boolean and then we just need to give it a buffer size of one right and then what we can do, let's back out of our extra items here. Then we can just do this. We can use some RxJS, and so we can do a dot pipe. And I'll pop these on the line. And we can do the take until operator. And basically, I can come in here and I can say this.destroyed, right? And then, so what that's saying is 
allow the observable to push values through um, this chain until a value comes and is emitted from this observable. I think I said that right. Yeah. So, so the switch there is instead of managing the subscription, you're causing the observable to complete, in which case you don't need to subscribe because it'll clean itself up. Exactly. And then am I on destroy? It just becomes a this.destroy.next true. Oops. And then for, for safety, you can complete that observable, right? Kind of the, the, so for me, I don't know. It's a similar amount of code. It's a little less like clear what's going on in my mind. For some people, it's more clear. Um, the, the, the key though, is if you've got pipe going on here and you've got multiple operators happening, I think there becomes an issue if you don't make take until your last operator, then it may not actually complete. And so you, you would run into an issue if you did that. And so kind of, you know, imagine you've got a huge component with all these different pipes and subscriptions. A dev comes in and decides to move or add a new operator after take until then all of a sudden what you're assuming is happening down here and on destroy, it doesn't work anymore. So um, that's just something, you know, I throw out there. I do, I do know a lot of people that use this and swear by it. Um, so that's another method. Um, there's even more. Uh, so Wardbell, I think Wardbell just uh, did on his own or with, with his team, uh, created something called SubSync. Um, it's an NPM library. And um, you can check that out in the show notes. I'll bring that up or I'll, I'll send that to you guys. Um, and I believe Thomas Burleson is uh, working on something called Until View Destroyed. And um, so he's working on, I think he's going to try to get a package and um, repo and everything published this week. Um, that'll be yet another way to kind of manage uh, cleaning up these memory leaks. So I think that, let me hop back over to, to the slides. We talked about, um, and, and, and the last thing I'll say about that is, if you let Angular do the work for you, then you don't have to do this in the first place, right? If you come in here and we we actually, if we created a observable here called jokes dollar sign observable of joke array, then we can get rid of the local jokes property. We can get rid of our subs and our destroyed. We can get rid of our ng on destroy. And we can initialize our observable, like kind of assign it here to our get jokes call. Important thing here, uh, if you're new to um, you know, RxJS observables, this is not actually firing, right? This is just assigning it so that when something, you know, it's not until you do the dot subscribe that it actually makes that, that call. And so get rid of that. And so really, the magic happens in the template. And so on a net, we've assigned our jokes. You know, and what if people ask, what is the dollar sign? You know, I think Ben Lesh said it's called finish notation, is where that came from. Um, it's just a way to know that 
that variable you're working with is an observable. I mean, we have TypeScript to tell us that, but it's kind of a pattern I follow. So if we go back to our app component, then we can do this magic thing here where we can say jokes, dollar sign pipe async. And then Angular automatically subscribes and unsubscribes to that um, observable for us. And we no longer have to worry about uh, managing that ourselves. So moral of the story is use pipe async whenever possible. But if you can't get away from it, make sure you clean up your, um, your subscriptions. Hey, Wes, can we go back to the, um, the class file real quick? Sure. At, at a question and discussion point real quick. So we know that we happen to know that this joke service is making an HTTP, HTTP call, right? To the HTTP client. So we're aware that the, the get call to that is going to complete after it calls once, right? So we don't necessarily need to unsubscribe from that because it's going to complete. Um, but because that's behind this joke service, maybe we don't know that it's going to complete in time. And that's when I think one of the challenges, right? When we, we talk about subscribing and when do we need to unsubscribe? Like, how do we know? Like, how do we get intelligence or information about the service that we're subscribing to if we need to unsubscribe or not? Um, so like the kind of stuff that you had in there in terms of the unsubscribe, because we're making an HTTP client call, we wouldn't necessarily need to do that. But now that you put it into the async pipe, like, we don't even really need to think about that anymore because if it completes automatically, that's handled. If it doesn't, it handles driving. So now it's just kind of out of our realm that we need to worry about that. So that's kind of another nice plus about the async pipe. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's, there's uh, probably a whole show we could do about just the async pipe. If you haven't already, um, you know, different patterns and, and practices for that, but it's very powerful and I use it heavily. So. Nice. Nice. Very cool. All right. So All right. we're getting, we've got about like uh, about 10 minutes left. So okay. more stuff you want to squeeze in here and then still be able to have time to talk about the upcoming features of NGRX or. Yeah. Gonna... Yeah. We've covered everything lifecycle wise. So I'll just kind of plug real quick. If you go to ultimatecourses.com uh, and then there's a, um, I'll just hop over here. Um, there's a blog link on the upper right hand corner. A lot of great um, writers are writing on here. Um, and um, kind of the thing that we're following is we're trying to write series of things. And so not just one-offs, but you know, there's a GraphQL series, there's an Angular Lifecycle Hooks series. There's a web Oh, you have Corey Ryland. I love Corey Ryland. Yeah, Corey's great. I, and he is. Yeah. How long we miss him? I haven't seen Corey in forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of people. Yeah, lots of great people on here. Um, you'd be surprised. So, um, so these are yeah, and so these are the the articles. So you can hop in from the front page and hit blog and get to them, um, or they'll be available in the slides um, at the end. Um, but just kind of the flow of the articles. Um, I just like we did in the talk today. I go through how to use it, and then uh, lots of code examples. Um, I love doing code examples because that's where you really start to learn it. Um, so those are good. I think that's it. So for ultimate courses and all that. Nice. Nice. All right. So yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> we got it. I was laughing because Justin was like making sure we're fitting everything.
end to this episode because we got to get our money's worth out of this. <laughs> I'm I'm more than happy to come back anytime too. So, did you call your parents right away, Wes, when they made you uh, uh, when they put you on the NGRX team? <laughs> no, I waited a little bit just to make sure it would stick. So <laughs> I feel like everybody. Like, do you know how cool I am? Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, man. I'm the least cool person on that team. There's some really cool people on there. So it's great to work with them. Um, so which, uh, Samantha taught me how to pronounce uh, Okrushko. And it's easy, Mike. You just have to say the word crush in the middle. Alex Okrushko. 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 Speaking of cool people. All right. So, yeah. So me and Alex are new. I mean, you've got. Obviously, you've got Mike and Brandon and Tim um, who've been on there. And I, and there's a lot of other people that also make up the team um, that just a long list. It's on our website. Um, uh, and in fact, I think it'll be, you know, when we get version eight released in grx.io, um, they'll be in about area. So, you know, I, I just say, you know, if you have any questions about NGRX, check the docs first, but also feel free to reach out to any of us. Um, on Twitter or, you know, email or, or GitHub, you know, file an issue there, check the issues. Um, we'll and help you. <laughs> if you have questions about NGRX, you just talk to Wes, he'll help you out. <laughs> if I don't know the answer. I'll find the, I'll find someone that does for sure. So, um, so with NGRX version eight, um, and I'll just say we're, um, I can't give you an exact date or Brandon would kill me, but, um, I think we're shooting for sometime around the end of this week. So it's very, I don't soon. believe you. Brandon would never kill anybody. He's the nicest person on the face of the earth. He really is. He's just, he's a good laid back Southern Southern boy from Alabama. Just like me from Florida. It's close. So yeah. Um, Mike Ryan might kill you. He's pretty scary. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Mike. So, so kind of the, you know, one of the kind of the themes you'll see with version eight is, you know, we always talk about boilerplate, you know, there's so much verbosity to code and, you know, all these things you have to do. I personally don't have a problem with that. I think it's, you know, um, explicit declarative code, which is good, but um, we've added some features th that are really going to kind of quell some of those concerns with version eight. Um, and, Basically, I'll just dive right in. We've got some new creator functions. So you've, you've probably seen create selector, right? Um, just, you know, a way to set up a memoized selector. Well, we're going to continue with that theme. And we have uh, these, uh, these new creators called create action, create reducer, create effect. Um, and with those, we're moving away from the decorator way of doing things um, more to the functional way. And um, we took inspiration from Nicholas Jameson's um, TS action library that he had out there. Um, so a, a big part of what these are, um, we took inspiration from that and I'll provide links. Nicholas has an article about that um, as well. So I'll dive in and show some examples of, of the reduction in code, but just know that um, we're going to have these new ones. Now, this doesn't mean you can't do it the uh, the current way where you have a switch statement for a reducer or you have actions as classes or you have the effect 
with an effect decorator. It just means this is a new additional way um, with some additional features. Another big thing, you probably heard this, is uh, John Papa and Ward Bell's NGRX data. We have um, merged that into version 8. So it's now an official module in our library. And um, you, know, you can add it with an ng-add NGRX data command. Um, so it's an official part of that. We've also added some runtime checks. There was a library, um, an, an additional library you can install that was uh, NGRX store freeze. And so to do like immutability checks and is something serializable, those kind of things, um, used to have to have an external library for now. Well, with version eight, we've rolled those in to just kind of the baked in NGRX. Um, those are good at development time, um, you know, especially if you're new to NGRX and learning things, they'll throw some errors for you if you try to mutate um, things. And is that something that will turn on with a flag? So it'll be off by default and then we turn it on? Yes, it's off by default and in the, uh, and I'll show you in a minute, but the dot for root on the store module, basically you would pass in an options object and set it. Nice. All right. So. Again, I talked about the, the create action reducer functions were inspired um, by the TS action library from Nicholas. And uh, when you guys see the, you know, we send out the slides, you can hit this link up. Um, and Nicholas wrote a, a whole blog about it. Um, so version seven, you might have two actions that look like this, right? You might have a login and a log out action. And there's really kind of three things going on. You've got your, your enum, which is your action types. You've got your classes for each action with a constructor with a payload property, for example. And then you've got your actions union that um, you're gonna export uh, for use in maybe your reducer or your effects. With version eight, um, you end up with this. It's a lot less code. Um, the idea is you use these creators, and these are these are kind of type safe functions where login just becomes, you know, export a const of login equal to create action. You pass in the 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 type, and then if there's props, you pass in a you, you pass in this props function and define the object there. And so, and then the way these are used in the reducer, you no longer need. Um, to create those three kind of separate things, a full set of enums and a class and export a union. So a lot of people um, are a big fan of this. Um, Alex as well has written a really good article kind of describing how to use these, um, kind of the ins and outs of them. So I would recommend folks reading that to get more information. Uh, reducer, right? So we we have you know kind of current v7. You know a reducer is a, is a switch statement. Looks very similar to something you use in Redux or other other libraries. And um, this this kind of way of doing it still, like I said, will work in version eight. But with with version eight, we have a new a new way with this create reducer. And so. Again, it's a lot less boilerplate code. Um, you have more type safety uh, and checking of things, and you kind of have this declared way of creating a reducer 
um, like this. And so you pass in the initial state and then you pass in a series of ons and, you know, on the home action or the scoreboard action of home score, you know, return the state like this. So um, it's just another way, uh, another option for folks. The last one is effect. Um, you know, today that's a decorator. Um, might look like this a load movies effect where if a load movies action was dispatched, it's going to go and do a get all on that and, uh, you know, pipe it to a success action um, if it works. With version eight, um, this is no longer a decorator. It's, it's a creator function. And so it just becomes a create effect where you pass it um, a handler um, to run. Right. And then is there a um, like an options array that we'll be able to pass if we want to not have it dispatch in action? Yeah, I'm, I, like that. I will confirm that, but I believe it's the second um, parameter to it. You can pass the options, so you can say dispatch faults. Um, we have a, an experimental new feature that's like resubscribe on error. Not sure if it's going to land in V8 first release, but it, it might, um, but that's also another another option you could set, um, you know. So yes, that is correct. That's very cool. That would make another great episode. Maybe we need to do something on that, like handling errors and, and restarting when you know in your effects, right? Yeah. Maybe, but maybe we don't need an episode with the new version. Like it's all handled for us. <laughs> <laughs> I do well, think yeah. we should have episodes with Wes. What's up? You're doing a great job, Wes. Oh, thanks. I agree. I agree. You guys, are, you guys are really easy to talk to. So um, <laughs> I feel like your family already. Um, so last thing, uh, well, not last thing, second to last thing, I'm trying to hurry so we don't run out of time here, uh, is the runtime checks. And so these kind of guide developers to follow the NGRX and Redux core concepts and best practices. And you can turn these on during development. And if a rule is violated, an error is thrown, notifying you what and where, you know, what went wrong and where where something went wrong. That's cool. And these are, okay, go ahead, yeah. So yeah, so to do it, you basically pass an options object into the store module dot for root. And there's four properties. There's, and, and some of these are kind of a carryover from the store freeze module that existed before. Um, but the idea is you can, you know, strict state immutability. You can verify the state doesn't get mutated directly. Um, you can verify actions aren't mutated and you can verify that your state can actually be serialized and your action can be serialized. So these are a really good um, tools for development. I don't think it's recommended to leave them on in production. It's probably performance issues with that, but um, at least for development, processes they're really great to have i think this thing's uh, this is really important right I, I see it as really important because that's the whole this is the equation of when we're working with ngrx and state management and the immutability and keeping that in check that ends up falling on us as developers to identify visualize see and implement in that way right and it's really hard to know when you violated that, especially when, you, when you're when you working with the state or something in a, in a different area, a different file or whatnot. And so how do you make sure that developers can, you know, make sure that the code they write adheres to that when it's not always uh, 
telling that you look at the code and see that you're breaking that immutability case. So this catches that catch in there, right? That allows us to, to ensure that we haven't violated that uh, with our code. And I think that's super important. Absolutely. I mean, I think on a past episode, you guys talked about immutable JS and, you know, I don't, in my mind, this is kind of, you know, if you're using NGRX, you know, you might not need it. So um, this could be a good, a good development tool. So um, the last thing is, um, you know, we've been working on some updates to the, uh, the docs and the website. And so, you know, obviously we're going to have documentation for our new features in V8. We're going to have some information on how to migrate from prior versions to V8. Um, we've cleaned up the navigation on the left-hand side. Um, and I'll, I'll pop over the docs real fast and show you. We've integrated all of the NGRX data documentation um, into it. And um, we've added, this is a... a particularly cool one um, that I like, uh, I'm happy about, is we've added a contributing page. Uh, we really want people to find contributing to NGRX to be an easy process um, with as little friction as possible. And so this page, you're going to go to this page, and it's basically going to tell you how our code's laid out, you know, what are the files and folders at that you need to go to, the, to you know, change certain things, how do you get it running locally, how do you go through the pull request process? You know, all of that. And it's kind of laid out in depth. And we've even popped that video on there with Jan and Brandon where they talk about contributing to docs um, for RxJS and NGRX. And so that, that has been added. Um, used to be kind of split across the repo in like a contributing markdown file and other places. But now we've kind of sent, we're going to centralize that into one place. So... I'll just hop over real fast and show you the new if uh, until it's released, which maybe by the time this podcast is kind of published, it will be released. Um, but until then, you can get to it by going to next.ngrx.io. Now, you do know we're live, right? So it's like already published this podcast. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. For the live listeners, absolutely. For those that wait and listen on their in their car, you know, on the drive to work or whatever, they might be good so good call good call <laughs> but yeah so up on the right hand corner if you go to docs just real quick we've organized our sections now um really by the modules you install so now it's in NGR, at ngrx store that's the module you would install and then we have our information um and then down down here at the bottom is our new contributing page where uh as you can see a ton of information on how to get get started we're always asking for people to be a part of NGRX and contribute. We've got a, a ton of great people doing that already. And um, so, yeah, um, I think that's it for, for NGRX. Turn it back to you, Justin. Nice. Nice. Wow. That's a, a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipe. So for sure. All right. Well, we're at the, the top of the hour. So a little bit past the top of the hour. So I guess yep. we'll get a couple quick picks. We had a couple of our panelists that had to go. They had a hard stop. So we don't get their picks, but we'll, uh, I'm sure we can, include them somewhere but uh, I have for all of us and i have uh mike and austin's picks too <laughs> Just don't said that. All right, well, bonnie why don't you uh give a rundown on those then i do actually so i have uh oh no you can't hear it hold on and i have uh mike and austin's picks too <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
team. So I just wanted to remind everybody that the whole entire Angular Air crew is going to be at Angular Denver, which is why the A-Team uh, theme song was playing. And I messed it up, but it was going to be really cool in my mind. Anyway, but we really are all going to be in Denver, all of us. And it's going to be lit, and it's going to be super fun and super silly. And you all have to come with us and hang out. That's my pick. Cool. Awesome. We're, we're, I, did you, were you going to share the other people's picks, too? Did you say? Or? No, I, I had all their picks, and I just took them and turned them into mine. I gotcha. OK, gotcha. gotcha. All right. All right. That's a good pick for all of us. We're all going to be there. Yeah, perfect. West, Austin yeah. said. <laughs> yeah, I, my, my pick, I'm going to say, uh, is Preston Lamb. Uh, has got a new library that he's working on, a UI library that's supposed to be kind of style agnostic. Um, and uh, it's called NGX Plug and Play. And if you follow him on Twitter at PLAMWeb, um, you can find more information about that. So. That is such a good pick, Wes. And actually, Preston Lamb was on NG Houston this morning. And yep. he did a demo of that uh, this morning. So you can also find that on Angie uh, Houston. And speaking of which, that reminds me of another pick because we have John Rista on Angular Air next week uh, showing us Auto Entity, which is another new library. I just So you said Preston, and it reminded me because we had a double header this morning. And uh, we had Preston and John on Angie on Houston. But yeah, Preston. Uh, that was a pretty good library he did. And I wanted to come on and show us like how he wrote that. So I think that might roll into another episode because it was actually very cool. I got one more pick I just thought of. Uh, Sonder Elias, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, met him at ng-conf and he's got a library that's called uh, ng-observable form, I believe it is. It's a really cool um, take on, on kind of reactive forms with observables. So maybe check that out. Anything Sonder does, you should definitely check out. Yeah. Sonder, like I didn't know what to think of Sonder in the beginning. He's like he's like a, a Ward Bell because you see him across the room. Well, Ward Bell, you can't miss because he's usually wearing something wild and crazy. But Sonder is he doesn't dress wild and crazy, and he's very quiet. Uh, I didn't really know him that well, but like once you get to know him, he he's very 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 smart, and yeah. also he's so so nice. He's one of my favorite people. Yeah, he took, you know, an hour and sat down with me at NGCOF and showed me his code and explained it. I, I thought that was awesome. So he's a cool guy. He is. Like, you would never know Sonder because he's not the type to, like, walk up to strangers. But if you go and talk to him, he's the nicest guy. And he's and he he has, like, so much knowledge in his brain. Yeah. <laughs> and just a little plug there. To uh, get the origin story of that library, he actually came on and did an episode on uh, Angular Error a while back. And I believe it was talking about the foundations of this library that you're talking about. So he kind of gave us a, a pre-look pre at it. So that was pretty cool. So check that episode out, too. Cool. I think we should have him back for another episode because I miss Sonder. I haven't cool. seen him in a week. And uh, I think we need to have him back on the show. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Wes, thanks a ton for sharing your time, coming on, sharing this content. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. You're very welcome. It's great to be here. Awesome. We're so glad we finally got you on here, and we'll have to get you back for another episode. So let's plan something for sure. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Take it easy. We'll catch okay. you next time. Later. Bye.